Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. Welcome to episode 19. Dude, what's up? Not much, man. Feeling, yeah. feeling good today. Yeah, it's been a nice day. It's nice out. It's been under 100, so it's been pretty sweet. Got the pool running. I'm looking forward to micheladas. That, that's all I'm saying. That's true. I was like, dude, you got to come over and record earlier so we can have drinks. I recovery put... drinks, man. Yep, recovery micheladas. I don't know if I'm going to like it. I'm going to try one. It's got zing zang. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it can't be unhealthy for you. You got you got the tomatoes and some peppers. You got your your pickled jalapenos. Like it's fermented jalapenos, dude. I, I don't want to be a stickler, but yeah, it's fermented. I feel like there's some good stuff in there, so it's yeah proper recovery. If not, I'll just have a beer. I'll yeah. Live. Anyway, how can people find us, man? Yeah, they can get to us at Post Ride Cafe on Twitter and at Post Ride Cafe on Instagram. Awesome. Are you going to be posting some videos again, dude? I think my computer is back up, so I'm going to work on that tomorrow. So I'll have I'll have something ready. Maybe a local gravel one or, I don't know, the Sedona one. I feel like the footage was off, so. It's true. Well, you said your battery was dying and it wouldn't turn on. and Yeah, and it was in a weird mode. Like, it was, like, time lapse and everything just looks, like, super exposed. I didn't like it. Hmm. But uh, I think the gravel one I did kind of cool. I'm like cutting around some people and stuff, so. Nice. Sounds like we have to go back to Sedona. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude, it was that's good. That's all that. That's market research. True. Uh, all right, let's get right into our Strava stats of the week. Stats. Yeah. Well, I did uh, 80 miles this week with roughly 2,800 feet. Yeah, it was a little tough. I didn't think I was actually going to get a ride in today. Uh, got a lot of housework to get done before the summer hits. I wanted to get a few things done before irrigation comes, so I was able to sneak one in. Um, this morning, so it's nice. Yeah, I snuck in a few. Um, <laughs> what about you? Uh, 220 miles this week and 6,500 feet. Nice. Yeah, you had a, a good ride of the week. We'll get to uh, that in just a second. We'll start with mine. Uh, my Tuesday ride, I went to South Mountain after work. I was like, you know what, I kind of feel like some climbing, maybe a little like pace work. So I didn't want to do the full Soma, but I did the segment we call San Juan. It's a little road right after. It's behind a, a blockade. So if you've never been to South Mountain or you're kind of curious, you don't feel you're ready for South Mountain, then San Juan is a great place to get some training in. And they've repaved the entire thing now. So That's awesome. Oh, it's phenomenal. Because that road was not awful, but it was pretty bad. Like, it's not Tortilla Flats bad, which they've repaved. But yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty bad. So I had a lot of cracks, and you're going downhill, and you feel a lot of vibration and bumps. I had my water bottle fly out once, like... Not, not exactly fun, and so they repaved the last half of the, it's a four-mile uh, road to a pagoda trailhead, and then it's four miles back, and so they repaved the last two miles last year, and then they redid, they just, they just paved the other two this last week or so, because I did Somo a couple weeks ago, and it was the same. Yeah, it was so still. They had just done it, so it was nice and fresh oil, it was very quiet, it was a breeze. And but, real quick on that, too. It's it's closed. They they have the the road blocked to cars pretty much at all times, right? Pretty much all the time. Now I don't know if this repaving, if they're going to change that. I really hope they don't. But I have seen it open on some post Silent Sundays. They've opened it up. Yeah. I mean, I always thought there was never cars on it, but I have seen it open before. Very rarely, but I mean, just for people who go out there. And now you were saying, like, if you're trying to get some climbing in or trying to work up to riding South Mountain. Mm -hmm. Or just during the week where there's more car traffic. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool because mm -hmm. to be able to ride an eight-mile kind of little time trial with a little bit of climbing, a little bit downhill, 
yeah. with no cars. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, so. it's pretty nice. So, like, it starts with the descent, and then it ends on that first, I guess I kind of think of it as an out and back. So, on the very on the first part of it, it's downhill, and then at the end, it has a riser. It's 6 7% at the, at the end, so it's a nice, yeah. you know, little climb, especially if you're new. And then you turn around and then go back, and it's a little descent, and then mostly a, 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 the middle is, like, 2 3% gradient. And then the last half mile to a mile is four to six, roughly. There's some eight or nine. Yeah, a few little, little small pitches. sections, but it's a, a great spot to learn how to climb. Yeah. Especially if you're not ready to make the commitment to South Mountain. I mean, I, I always say just go for it. And if you don't make it, you don't make it. You know, take a break, continue on, take a break. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's all about striving and achieving something you've never done. So, but yeah, it's safe. There's no, the barricade is up, so you can't get through on a car you just kind of go around the little side piece awesome place and so that's what i did i brought i took your little bottle thing i kept that on the back of my uh seat post so i have four bottles and i ended up drinking five you go to the restroom it's cold water it's fine but i brought four bottles stashed them behind the rock all that stuff and so i did about 40 miles on that and got about 2100 feet of climbing so most of my climbing goes from that the whole loop one loop of san juan i think is a little over 600 feet so not bad yeah, it's nice. I just rode by, right straight from work, but it was a great, great ride. Yeah, so I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna bridge into a little bit of news and to get back to my ride. Uh, so there's like a big thing going on in Eversting, and I don't know if this is directly related to what I was doing, uh, but I was just kind of like in my mind, I was like, I need to go out and push it further than I have recently Mm -hmm. yeah and I think just maybe like I had felt like stuck in a routine a little bit or just you know you ride your whatever days a week and you do this and that and it's fine but it doesn't feel like you've accomplished anything just because maybe like speed's like very incremental of how much you're getting better or maybe you're getting slightly physically fitter but everything's just feels small and doesn't feel like like a marginal gain Exactly. Yeah. But I was like, I want to go see what I could do sure. is, is kind of what what it came down to. Um, so I went out and I had the intention of riding between about 80 and 100 miles. Uh, I ended up going 87 miles and 4,100 feet of climbing. Uh, went around, kind of coupled a few of the rides we'd done before going out towards like Bartlett Lake coming around Rio Verde through Fountain Hills. Really pretty ride. Well, that goes to what we were talking about, where you reach a point where you decide you want to go further. Yeah. And you start chaining different rides together. Exactly. So and I perfect. mean, around here, I mean, it's not like 100% bicycle friendly, but there are lots of lanes and there's routes where you can do this. And I could have easily made, kept going on, different roads that I had. There wasn't any repeats of roads or anything. I could have gone 100 miles or or more. Probably too late and slightly bummed that I didn't go for 100. It was just the heat is what got to me. Like, sure. I, when we rode today, I was kind of curious like how my legs would feel. And my legs actually felt f- fairly okay today and they felt fine afterwards for going that far. Yeah. Because I haven't gone that far in a really long time. Sure. Um, well, I think for... You know, it's such a daunting number. Yeah. And it's like, we were talking about the other day where it's harder to fill up water, so you kind of have to plan it where you're going to get water from. Yeah. Either it's a park, you know, you're not really supposed to fill water bottles up at 
gas stations or, or restaurants or places we I used to go. Did. <laughs> yeah, but I wanted ice. <laughs> yeah, but in general, like it, I think those rules are starting to relax. Like restaurants yeah. are open again, and so before that was the case, like it was really hard to like really go. Only one having... place had a sign that said like "Don't do it." I, I did it anyways. Sure, but... of course. Well, <laughs> the most selfish person I know. So. It's true. I heard I was pretty selfish. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, it was a really good ride. I mean, 87 miles, I was kind of surprised. I kept, you sent me a picture of one of your stops. You know, as a joke, we always kind of kid about going to Burger King. Especially the particular Burger King right there in Fountain Hills. Oh, yeah. Well, because the Fountain Hills is typically a 60-plus mile ride, and so I'm not going to carry a bunch of food. So it's a nice place to stop to grab a small bite and, and move on with your ride. Plug to Burger King, $3 special. It should be like the cyclist special. You get fries, a small double hamburger, and a Coke. Yeah. Just All the calories you need for a little quick salt, stop. sugar, yeah, it was perfect. Not health food, fats. but it works. Yeah. <laughs> it was... Well, when you're burning it off, I, I kind of oh let yeah it slide a little bit that day. Like, and obviously including just downtime, I burned like six thousand calories. So it was yeah. Like, well, what does it matter? Exactly. But yeah, so I, I that was kind of like my intention, and like, I'm there was not been any races or anything like that going on. So I like I, I, I planned on signing up for some at the beginning of the year. But I was like, I got to go see what I can do before it gets insanely hot. So. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. That's it, man. Well, let's get into some cycling news. Uh, real quick, we can kind of piggyback onto what you were talking about, Everesting. Yeah, so kind of like that's been the thing this past month or so. I think it's something that everybody's been doing because they have the time right now. Yeah, well, I think it's a time where you're seeing a lot of riders try to find things they can do and motivate themselves to do something for charity or keep themselves occupied. So you're seeing a lot of sort of long solo rides, either virtually or on the road or whatever. Yeah. And Everesting kind of lends itself to that perfectly. Yeah, like Bookman on Bora did that for charity. Um, Diamond. Real, real quick, ahead. let's just talk about what Everesting is real quick, just in case oh. someone doesn't know. Basically... You, if it's official, you have to ride um, one segment, and it has to be an uphill and then a downhill. You, it has to be repeats. It can't be like a loop or anything like that where you can gain momentum, and you just ride the elevation of Mount Everest. And right, so it's like twenty-seven thousand feet or something like that. Uh, twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Like 20, okay, yeah, yeah. somewhere. So I, I think it was like eighty-eight hundred ish meters. What, whatever that didn't, works out to be. Didn't research it. Yeah. But yeah, somewhere in there, so you just repeat a segment over and over and over again until you reach 28,000 yeah. feet or whatever it ends up being. It takes a long-ass time. Yeah. I mean, longer for some people, shorter for some people. Well, sure, but let's just say, you know, Phil Guyman has the official record in the U.S., right? Yeah. It's like seven hours and 50 minutes or whatever yeah. it is. I think he was, yeah, like seven so fifty-two like, or so. It's not a, it's a, not a short day in the saddle. No, it's a ridiculous day. And then couple days later potentially he, he got it beat by a u.s national cross-country mountain bike champion i think it was like keegan swinson something like that um so we'll see if that stands and always throwing shade even when they're doing something cavendish and luke Rowe did a virtual one so well screw them yeah <laughs> i mean that's got to be tough to be on uh, Zwift for eight hours. Mentally, it's, it's got to be way harder. I'll give them credit for that. Yeah. Like, a lot of people have done some Zwift stuff. I think Grant Thomas, is that G? He did, what, three days of 12-hour rides or something? Yeah, some insane. Raised a lot of money for charity. I mean, it's cool to see. And like I said before, previous episodes of, like, 
I think that one of the benefits of this pandemic situation with the lockdowns is it gives cyclists and everyone in general a kick in the pants where they go, they think and go, how do I re-interact with people? Because the way I normally do it is no longer there. Yeah. So it makes you creative. And so you're seeing these writers do something to get in the headlines and make positive change in the world, whether it's through charities and stuff. Like, So I think it's nice to see writers kind of doing something else besides just writing for you know, a race or something. Yeah, writing for a paycheck. And, and I mean, these guys, a lot of them too, you can tell, like care about their country and their situation yeah. and everything. They're like, hey, I can I can suffer. Like, I know how to do that, so. Yeah, exactly. All for a good cause. I, I think it's cool. It's a, it's a really neat thing to see this last couple of weeks of all these charity things popping up and good for them. Let's go a uh, real opposite of that. Right. <laughs> nothing to do with that. Right. Uh, so the other pro cycling news... From cyclingnews.com. we got to throw the proper plug. All right. Well, Froome might be transferring. Yeah. So the, the rumor was that Froome is looking at a possible transfer or signing a new contract with somebody else. But the real kicker was a possible mid-season transfer, which for big name riders isn't very common. No. And someone of Froome's caliber almost never happens. Yeah. It's, it's weird. And, I mean, it, it's either on one hand he's trying to get more money or on the other hand, kind of how we were talking last week or the week before. Enough. It was last week. Really, uh, really weird. Where Bernal stated that I'm not riding for anybody else. And that team's obviously stacked with GC riders and well, yeah, up-and-coming last... potential GC riders. And... Yeah, the last three Tour de France winners are all on the team and all looking to be on the team. Yeah, you know, and are all, all looking to ride the Tour. Yeah, so it's like you can't please all three of them. And we talked about this last week when Bernal made those comments. And I kind of joked, like, what if they didn't bring Bernal? It's like, well, they might not have to if Froome's just going to leave. Yeah. Kind of surprised. It's, it's surprising, but it, it does make sense, of, especially if it's not just for trying to get some extra money. He's nearing the end of his career. It's like if he wants full support, there's other teams out there that can give it to him and will gladly give it to him. Yeah. Well, that leads to some of the speculation that's gone on either on cycling news had another article the next day and then one today about it and then also on the peloton reddit thread our peloton yeah i uh, gotta properly plug them as well but they've been talking about what teams could even accept from mid-season and compete at the tour de france like what teams are capable of having a gc support right now and there's just very, and there's also who can afford them, right? There's yeah. two I was factors. like, there's cost, and, and it's, it's at yeah. the point where, like, you're not having to build a whole new team around him because he wants to come in ready. Yeah, he wants to win this year, so a couple teams can afford him by price. Yeah. Right? So you have Israel Startup Nation is one they keep linking him to. I think someone linked him to Trek, which is. <laughs> whatever the, but, yeah. the trek tried it man yeah uh, you know you go to trek if your career is over and i don't think Froome wants to take that dip it, yeah for gc anyway and then someone had joked about brain marita like if wout poles and Mikel landa left to become leaders and then Froome joins like that would be awful so good but also <laughs> someone made a comment about possibly movistar movistar like for him it makes a lot of sense because there's the support there and yeah. you know there's definitely not the team tactics there but no. He's seen that, you know, we've seen that he can go solo. So true. maybe he doesn't need that. But I think if they, his presence would jolt the team management into, like, doing something, I think. Yeah. Because they have a proven winner. They have no one on the team that really wants to go. Well, 
that shouldn't go for the, the Tour de France this year, right? They signed Enrique Mas. I think he's better off doing the Giro as experience. And then you have Marc Soler, who I think has potential to compete in the Tour de France. I don't know if he'll ever have the capacity to win it. Yeah, I don't know. But I think he should, if Froome joins the team, Valverde doesn't care. He doesn't want to do the Tour de France. So no. he's happy enough having Froome there. And then Marc Soler can help him, and then he can take the couple weeks off in between and do the Vuelta as the main guy. I think that's a perfectly valid calendar. Valverde only wants to do what he wants to do, and none of those really overlap. It would be really funny. It makes sense, but it would be really funny of just... Dude, it would. I mean, if, you know, they can never win it with Nairo, and then they bring on Froome and he wins. Oh, that would be... Or if Nairo beats him on, you know, on his new team. So many good scenarios. Yeah, it all works out. One other random one, I don't know if they have enough, is Sunweb, just to replace Dumoulin, because they were gearing towards building the team around him. I think they were still, like, a step or two back in support, Mm -hmm. but it could work. It could. I just don't think they're really there, right? I think the problem with Sunweb is I think they can afford him, but they don't have the the structure right now. Yeah, Uman's really good. Uh, I can't think of anybody else offhand. I don't know. If, well, they had, um, I was going to talk about Geschke? later, Storer. Michael Storer, I think, is on that team. He yeah. looked really good uh, earlier in the season in the Tour of the Alps. Like, there's potential. They'd have to throw everything at it and, like, stack the team. Yeah, I'm just saying they're not going into the season. They're not on the level of Movistar. Exactly. Let me pause this real quick. Alright, sorry about that. I had a uh, a neighbor swing by. That was a bang. It wasn't cops. Anyway, we were talking cop. about what's that? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, we were talking about sub, the support section of Sunweb. Yeah, I was saying that they have a few guys. I think Storer in particular. He was looking good at the Tour of the Alps. He didn't win it. I think he got third, but he was looking super strong in it. And they have Uman. So like, there's potential there. I don't know if it's enough. It's not on the same level as coming in to move a star. That's yeah. for sure. If I'm Froome, I wouldn't leave for something like that. Yeah. Now, if he left at the end of the year and they wanted to build a team around him going up, that makes perfect sense. Unless they're giving him that cash money, dude. I guess. But to throw away the tour this year, he might as well just stay with Ineos. Yeah. Yeah. That's anyway, true. we'll see how that pans out. That's just a pretty hot, juicy gossip for the week. So that was, that was pretty interesting to see. Yeah, I was like, we need... I'm ready for that. I was saying the other week, like that... That really good cycling gossip that oh, yeah. some teams, you know, some guys throwing somebody else under the bus and, you know, not, it's, it's not a blood bag bust thing, but, yeah, but yeah. close. It's getting there. I think as the season, you know, we got a couple months, like it's going to start building up. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our topics of the week. We wanted to cover some teams. We're covering teams in this week. I think, you know, I was looking at the calendar and when the race starts and, as we come up and climb up these ranks, we're going to spend more time on these teams. So I was like, we might need to do a couple teams. So this episode might be a little long. We wanted to cover, I wanted to cover two teams this week. And so we're going to start with Copidus Solutions Credits. And let's get right into their 2019 stats. They were ranked 17 uh, on Pro Cycling Stats, which was the same as they were the year before. They had 20 victories, one in the World Tour, and one of those, that one win being a GT stage. In 2018, they had 21 victories and one Grand Tour stage, so basically the same. And they were a pro-continental team. Now they're a World Tour team, and we'll get to that. It's like, according to you, they were always a World Tour team. (laughs) I know, we'll get to that too. Uh, Their identity um, appears to be 
I don't know. They appear to be a world tour team, but only really a pro conti team. I always they always confuse me. Yeah, it's because they're always at every race, so it it feels like they might as well be. They're yeah. probably a little stage hunter. I guess when the, you know, they had Buhani, they were a, a sprinting team, mm-hmm. but still just mainly focusing on stages. I don't think they were built enough as a, you know, like a GC team. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, looking at their history, I think they were World Tour, and they were pro, they've kind of bounced back and forth over time. Probably, they've been around for a while. Yeah. Uh, key signings this year, they picked up Elia Viviani. They picked up uh, Guillaume Martin, is that who that is? Yeah. And then Julian Vermont. And their key losses were Nasir Buhani. Key riders, Viviani, uh, Jesus Harada, and Guillaume Martin. I'll I'll go ahead and leave these young riders to you, man. Yeah, so young riders, we have uh, the younger brother of Viviani, Attilio. uh, And he looks like he won the Johan Musso Classic. uh, Sprinter's kind of classic. I don't know if you know anything about Johan Musso. Uh, you know, uh, Johan Museo, I did not. <laughs> big classics writer. I don't yeah, know apparently. The Lion of Flanders. Dude, I do not know how. I just didn't know who that was. And so I thought it was kind of funny. We watched the Perugue Bay from 90-whatever, 6, 7, 8? Something like that. He uh, was in it, and I was like, he was getting ready to retire. And I was like, oh, that's who <laughs> that is. Apparently he was a big deal. Yeah. And uh, the other the guy they have uh, is uh, Damien Touze, and he won the national uh, road race in France. Oh, he got third. Or he was third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, my, my notes are race and then what place. I mean, it probably should go the other way because it's going to lead to problems like that. But yeah, he got third in the national championships for France. The thing is, that's not under 23, right? We had that discussion last week. Like, it's a pretty big deal. France has a lot of pretty strong riders and so getting third in their national road race is pretty impressive for for sure and they have some good sprinters as well so it's obviously they're kind of building up as a sprinters team just the way that it's kind of looking like here the of their young guys and and viviani on the team they're going to be building around him sure well they're not going to be a gc team right so it makes sense what are your thoughts on kofidis I don't know. I mean, they're one that always kind of is, like I said, they've been around forever, but they kind of slip into the background. They're always in the Grand Tours, and they're in the breakaways, but they really don't seem to do much. They're kind of just a placeholder. Yeah. It would be nice to see them do something, but, that's you know, that's where I've seen them. Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts as well. I think sometimes... You know, when I first started watching, I thought they were a world tour team because they were in every big race, you know, and honestly, now that I know a little bit more, they're they're a sponsor for the time clocks and some of these other things. And so they spend money supporting the race. Yeah. And so they kind of get a default position and a spot on the race schedule. So it kind of sucks for pro continental teams that are actually working hard to try to build themselves up. Because someone like Kofi just comes in and they just guarantee a spot and they kind of just look a little lazy. Yeah, and they get, I mean, they get a fair amount of wins in like non-world tour uh, races, but I don't know if that should give you an automatic bid to some of these because you're against lesser talent. Yeah, so I think going into a world tour team, I think maybe that will help them find that motivation because now they are a world tour team and they have to start acting like one. So... I'm hoping that leads to them, you know, working a little harder and pushing towards getting a little more world tour wins. Because each year, 
Last two years, like we said, they've only had one. Yeah. So, real quick, one thing we wanted to talk about, Buhani. Buhani was their, like, guy for a couple years. Yeah, I mean, the team was 100% built around him for at least the last few years. Yeah. And then it never seemed like he ever made it to the tour. There was always some drama. And so, my question is, is it Kofidis' fault? Or is Buhani just a time bomb? I don't know. It seems to be both. Because it's, it's weird how... There was definitely... I think he did not get along with the manager in general. But then it's like, if you're getting in fights in, in the hotel, and in the way that he rides in general, like, just cutting people off, and, yeah. you know, he would get relegated all the time, or more often than I've seen most other riders... And, you know, not every time it's 100% his fault, but you, you give yourself that name. Yeah. You know, nobody else does that but you. So, you know, you can't blame your personal appearance and and your character on management. Yeah. Well, in his defense, in his defense, correct me if I'm wrong, he went to Arkea Samsic, right? He did. He's won a few races already this year. Yeah. So it could be... One of the things where it's both his and Kofidis' fault, like they just didn't mesh, right? Well, yeah. So I think it's a little bit of both, but he definitely appears sort of like Nairo to be happier now that he's not on the team True. and, and everything and else. And I'm guaranteed he was unhappy and the management probably guaranteed didn't mesh well. Yeah. But you can't, you know... You gotta be a you, professional. Yeah, you can't just take it out on everyone. Yeah. That, that's on you still. Exactly. So they got their... Their other two riders besides Viviani is uh, Jesus Harada and Guillermo Martin. I, I don't know much about them because I don't follow Kofidis that well. I'm very familiar with Jesus Harada's name, and I've heard Guillermo Martin as well. I just don't know what their strengths are. What are we expecting? Uh, from them? I mean, Harada is a climber, uh, from what I can remember. Yeah, he's uh, like stage hunting. I think he did win. He was their one Grand Tour stage, I think, last yeah, year. Yeah, and Guillermo Martin, I believe he came from... I think AG2R or something. No, trying to, I'm blanking on the team. They're like blue and yellow, like that bright neon color. They're a pro Conti team. Oh, like Wanty Group Gobert or something? Exactly. Yeah. I think that's where he's from. Um, maybe I'm getting him confused now. I don't know. I thought he was more of a classic style kind of writer. Maybe. That sounds, that sounds familiar. Should have studied this before. Yeah, I mean, we're, that's what you're going to say that he is. Yeah. I'm going to say he's a classics writer. So, if he is, you know, that meshes well with their Perfect. kind of sprinter-type team. Yeah, exactly. Well, the real question for this team is kind of pinning their hopes on Viviani. Yeah. Will Viviani have that comeback? Will he be able to build himself up? You know, he left Quickstep, or he was tossed to the side as Quickstep kind of does. He left the train, man. It's hard, it's hard to step up after that. But he also wasn't really wanted, you know? Well, it's true. They like, had that's younger their, guys. And... That's the way Quickstep is. They don't have time to put all their money in you they just have someone else come and do it they have the, they have a nice train they just need someone with just enough legs like they've yeah you know they went it's through Kittle they went through Vivian like they just get another guy they don't want to spend the money so he kind of had a down season and now he's on this team I think you know he's rejuvenated I think he was already won this he has already not. or no he hasn't won yet no he's been really competitive in, in he's been competitive but yeah he has not won yeah, so it looks like they've already won a couple stages or a couple, yeah, a couple yeah. races this year. So a couple of their kind of their thus far twenty twenty wins. They won the stage one and the GC in the Tour of the Alps with Anthony Perez, um, probably Perez, however they pronounce it. Probably. 
Um, but that, I mean, that's had some talent in there as well. It's put down that Pino was there, Clark was there. That's where Store looked really good, and Bardet was there. They all finished in the top ten. Um, yeah, so it wasn't like a, a race. It wasn't a it gimme for sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then I didn't watch this one, the La Tropicale Misa Bongo, but uh, Viviani's younger brother won this first stage with that. Atilio. So, I mean, there's there's talent there for sure. Just kind of see what it turns into. I don't know that much about the Perez, but I feel like him and um, Jesus Serrata can kind of make a good climbing duo. And if yeah. they get a... I don't know if they could get a, a stage, you know, like a week-long stage race, but they could definitely do some good stage hunting. Yeah, definitely. Well, it leads us to our final question on these teams. Better or worse than 2019? Uh, Obviously, we can't look at total wins, but are they going to win some World Tour races this season, or is it just too truncated to really, to really matter? I'm going to say more, because of what, they had one? They had two? One. One. I'm going to say more World Tour wins. All right. Not by much, but... I think with a few guys, Viviani should squeak out a couple. That's true. I was getting ready to say no, but I forgot that Viviani is probably going to be able to win two sprint stages. Yeah, and you, I mean, another one of the signings of Vermont uh, is just that kind of powerhouse guy on the front. So mm-hmm. then good sprint train or to pull back in breakaways, like you, you have a little bit more there. Yeah, that's true. I, no, think, it could I, work. I think I agree with you. I think they'll at least get two as well. I think they're probably, if they do, it'll both be Viviani. Most likely. Yeah. Well, Maybe one, like, Grand Tour stage, you know, yeah. breakaway stage. I could see that, yeah, I don't, too. Yeah, I don't see him winning any classics. So it's pretty much just no classics or Grand Tours. Like, there's a few other stage races, but, you know, I guess he could maybe do the Tour. I mean, there's no really no reason for a sprinter to go to Vuelta this year. It's pretty much all mountains again. Which is, it's even worse than before. Maybe they if had he the, wants that win. <laughs> well, they had the Grand Depart that got canceled, and I had a few sprint stages, and now yeah. it's just like five climbing stages right off the bat. So I, I was going to say, he, I could see him skipping the Giro to do that stage race, the Torino, but, or is that in the middle of the Tour de France? I don't know anymore, man. I think it's during it's the It's all over the place. It's all over the place. But yeah, I could see him doing the Tour right into the uh, Giro, I think. It's so backwards. Yeah. Anyway, it's tough to keep track of all that. Anyway, so we both think they're going to do better. That leaves us now to move on to the next team, which is Israel Startup Nation. I Got just, a cool name. I just think it's a funny name. Like, well, we always startup. joke because they were the, they were in a cat a cycling academy, and now like now they're a now they're a whole nation. They're they're a, they're a startup, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're they're up and coming. These Israel's uh, startup nations. So let's go over their twenty nineteen stats. They were. 16th rank on PCS, and that was up eight spots from 2018. I mean, they were a pretty new team the year before. They were like a yeah. development team or something, so that makes they sense. They were an academy, dude. They were. <laughs> uh, so last year they had 29 victories, and in 2018 they had 15. So definitely some stuff going on there. Their identity, you know, stage hunting and sprinting. I mean, that's pretty common for teams. It's very rare you have a GC team. So the only thing you have left is stages and, and sprints. Yeah, I think it just takes so much to build your whole team around that. So it's, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's a lot easier to have a sprint train than it is to have a GC train, you know, a climbing train. Yeah. Or well-balanced train. Well, I feel like that takes a lot more money because you got super domestiques. And if yeah. you really want to compete against the big the big teams. Yep, you need a guy who can, like, for, to, to compete on sprints, you need a couple guys that can go get water bottles. 
you need like two guys who can lead out, one guy that can pull back in a, a break, and then a sprinter. Yeah, that's about it. That's it. Not a big deal. Uh, key signings, they got the Gorilla. <laughs> Andre Greifel. Man, I, I, he's always one of my favorites. Uh, Dan Martin, and then they absorbed most of the Katusha squad, which is how they kind of became a world tour team. Yeah, so uh, like so Niels Pollitt, Danny Navarro, Alex Dowsett. Exactly. I don't really think they have any key losses since they were a pro-continental pro team. I don't really know a whole lot about those guys. And then their key riders are going to be Dan Martin and Niels Pollitt, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, no real uh, young riders. You know, they're a pro-conti team, and they didn't have anyone that had results under the age of 23 that I could see. But uh, let's get into, the real quickly, the personal thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard because they are just so new. Uh, I mean, I guess personal thought of, I feel like they have, I mean, they're basically a rebranded Katusha at this point. Correct. And so... Well, that's fair. I think that they should be better than Katusha. So, like, I don't know. I'm hoping, I don't know if management probably changed and all that, because that seemed to be, like, Katusha problem. Yeah. So, I don't know. Hope they do well. Yeah, me too. I, I, my personal thoughts, I don't really have any. I know that they had their, that they were in the the Giro last year. Is that what it was? The one that started in Jerusalem, or was that the Tour? I think it was the Giro. It was probably the Giro. And so they did pretty well in that. They were, you know, I like to see Pro Conti teams that get wild cards, like, get in some breaks and, like, just be animated. And, like, you, you've seen that in the last few seasons with, like, Wante Group Gobert and a couple other teams. Gaha Rawl, those are two prime examples. They're always animating breaks and trying to do something. And so yeah. I, I remember that they did the same thing. They were kind of animating a little bit. So I don't have a, a real strong opinion on them. I, I hope they do well. I like to see new teams, kind of fresh blood. They got, you know, kind of a lot of unknowns. And so they don't have a lot of expectations on them, I don't think. And so... Hungry riders, I feel like you're going to get a lot of them. Well, if you're a GC rider, you should be hungry, apparently. I, they all have eating disorders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another topic we want to cover on another episode. Um, yeah, so our main topics on the team, how do you think they're going to handle the world tour pressure? I mean, obviously, they do have a lot of Katusha riders, so they have already have a strong contingent of their main core that has done the world tour schedule, but they also just have a lot of young riders that haven't. Yeah, I mean, kind of like looking at their their riders on there it's actually fairly deep and i kind of kind of point to a few of the other guys i know they i watch all the races so tour utah i think ben herman's won that and james pickley was second or third and they have both of them now yeah so now that they do have some decent climbers in there and some guys have won some stages i do like niels pollitt yeah niels pollitt was looking awesome what at robay are they still uh, are they still uh, repping the canyons or what are they repping? Is, is that them? Still? Uh, I think they're on factors. Is that what it is? Yeah, man, I don't. I can't like Neil's Paul anymore. Yeah, they have Madsworth Schmidt. I mean, they have, they definitely have some guys on there. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think they'll be all right. Yeah, I think they'll handle it pretty well. I think they have enough core guys who have been on World Tour team to mentor. If they take that mentoring role pretty seriously and want to succeed, they'll help their younger guys succeed. Yeah. You know, if, if you're only as good as your weakest link, you know, kind of that military mentality, but I, I believe in that. So I think it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think they're very motivated. For sure. And I feel like, to their motivation, we saw just their wins this year. So they had uh, Hugo Hofstetter won 
the La Samaim, which been is on a tear, I think, this season. Yeah, I mean, good for him. And then, but also, like, that's a pretty big, like Belgian. I, I think it is Sprinters Classic mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So that that's awesome. And uh, stage one of the Vuelta a San Juan, uh, Barbier, also I think he's a French sprinter, also took stage one on that. So you you have, you know, kind of how we talked before. They're going to be sprinter stage hunting because it's easier to build that up as a new team. Yeah, and you you got a couple guys already on there with Niels Pollitt probably going to be real strong in there. Andre Alex Greipel, Andre Greipel as a men- I think he's accepted his mentor role. Well, I'm mean, just as like yeah. sprint train and everything mm-hmm. else. Like with those, you got five guys right there that are all could make a good sprint train, and a couple of them could do the wins. I think Rick Sabell's on that team as well. Yeah, who's, I think so. Who's looked decent in, in sprinting. Is, so, I, yeah, I, I see good things for him. I just want to see one thing. Greipel. I just want to see Greipel win one with his mouth open, and he's like, just like... One more tour stage. Oh, dude, that'd be great. I'll take any grand tour stage. It doesn't have to be the Tour de France, but I think that's a little much for his capacity. But I think the, the Giro could be a good one because everyone's going to the tour... And then there's a couple weeks off, and then it's the Giro. I just don't know how many sprinters are from the tour are going to go to that. Dude, completely unrelated. I do not like their jersey. I don't like that white and light blue. I just... The one thing I will give them is... It looks is weird a, on people. I don't like light... I think I just don't like light blue. Yeah, you're not a powder blue kind of guy? No. I think I... The thing I like about it is, and this doesn't say good or bad, I guess, it's just easy to spot them in the peloton. It's true. That's the one thing I like about certain jerseys, because you get some jerseys where you're like, I, it's just all black. Or like, well, there's not tell. that many white jerseys, I feel yeah. like, anymore, but... We just need more, like, shamus on jerseys. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was pretty great. Um, but yeah, so the one thing about this team is they don't have, a, a, like, a large marquee, you know, big-name writer. Now, the rumor is that, you know, Chris Room is a possibility to join this team, and I find that a little far-fetched as far as mid-season transfer. But it really wouldn't surprise me if they picked him up in the offseason. I feel like I'm thinking about it more. I feel like that could throw off their team more than anything else. Oh, yeah. It's the Cavendish effect. Well, that and I just... You have all these guys, like I was saying, are hungry for it. And a lot of people will overperform in that kind of situation just because they... Maybe they're really cohesive or just everybody's out there doing their thing. Yeah. And it's... They're not putting all the focus on one guy and... Everybody's got to work for him and kind of the Dakunic kind of approach. Yeah. And I think bringing in the one guy is going to kind of throw that off. Possibly. I think the good thing about Froome is he's sort of like Lance and some of the other guys where they just only cared about one race. So he doesn't yeah. care about winning anything else. So I think That's the true. positive that you can expect if he did join the team was it gives them a leader to kind of build around and work for and they're more motivated. But... It just depends on the mentality, like you said. If they're kind of a quick-step team where they just like all want to win, then it could work, and that will throw a wrench in their plans. But there's nothing like having a big-named rider to work for. Like it, it does motivate you and make you feel excited. That's true. And if it's just the one race, I feel like Froome not caring, like he, if it's not the tour, I think he'll work for somebody else. Like he, yeah. He's like, I don't care. It's not the tour. He's one of the few GC riders that I can respect because like seeing him like do some work in, what was the race he came back on? The uh, UAE tour or whatever. Oh, yeah. I think he tried to do a little bit of work. I think he was grabbing some bottles and stuff. Like, again, I love talking shit about him. You never see a Rue do that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Terrible. All right. Well, let's button this up. Better or worse than 2019? Better. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to. I think they can get one World Tour win. So it seems reasonable. Obviously, it's going to be Greipel. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, man. I just want to see Dan Martin bounce his way to, like... Dude, Dan the... Martin is so disappointing right now. But this could be the year he wins a Classic, dude. He could win... I mean, he's won Good before, luck. but... I think he's only won one. But he could win one of those. I, th- I think they're during the Giro. Yeah, I just... Bada bing. I don't know. It's Dan Martin's year, man. No, I, I think they'll. I think they'll get. One. I like him. I just he he was missing something. Yeah, he's missing something to win the Tour de France. But he's he's a fun rider, and you got to give him credit for his grit. Oh yeah, he when he broke his like back, crazy. Well, when he broke his back and still finished the Tour de France, and he's like after the race, he's like bent over and is like, <laughs> you know, his a uh, massage guy has to like crack his back up. You know, it's like nothing but respect for the guy. Like no, yeah, yeah, I just. It's just disappointing of like him not winning these yeah. things that when he looks really good and he just gets a little crazy on his attacks. He gets and I excited. Think, yeah, if he drew it back a little bit. I think if he had a little more confidence and knowing that if he just like takes it in, like, yeah, get there because he kind of gets afraid of people, I think, and jumps too early. Yeah, I think and, it's a problem. You know, it's like me today when I tried to chase that guy down. I kind of had a bigger, <laughs> was... I had bigger <laughs> eyes in my stomach, and like I got about halfway and we, I blew up. I was like, I was like, oh, dude, we're not gonna catch him. And then you're like. Oh yeah, I love that you like kick like... off real hard, <laughs> and then like just fading back, and I'm like, yeah, dude, we weren't gonna catch him. <laughs> <laughs> no man, I had too big eyes. Anyway, that wraps up this week. Next week, uh, we'll probably cover two more teams. We're gonna cover Team Sunweb and Groupama FTJ. All right, man. Yeah. Until next week. See you guys. See ya.